We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hello, St. Louis and surrounding areas. You are listening to another At Your Service here on Thursday, April 7th. My name is Dave Simons. Hello there. Welcome. Yeah, that guy, that Dave Simons guy who hosts the Dollars and Cents show and has for about 26 years. But um, those are going to be few and far between now that baseball season is back. And all is right with the world because of that very event. Yes, great opening day win for the Cardinals. Uh, But once again, back to the introductions, Dave Simons. uh, By day, the one... uh, that, that pays my bills and the utilities and puts food on the table and once educated the kids and sent them along their merry way. Yeah, that's acting as a certified financial planner and head of a wealth management group known, known as the Simons Cordes Wealth Management Group. But um, yeah, occasionally during the nighttime, the folks at CAMOX have kind of fooled them into uh, inviting me back about every week or two to fill in on at your service and uh yeah now i get to talk about pretty much anything that's happening locally and around the world and i love every minute of it we'll in the second hour we'll get to some financial related stuff that's important to all of us a little bit about inflation we'll also talk about some of these gas prices that have gone up and sort of this this oh it how some politicians just love to hear themselves talk and and what they did this week to uh, some oil execs, blaming them pretty much for, I think, everything. Uh, I think the great flood of of Noah's Ark time, I think they were blamed for that this week and a whole host of other things. Uh, We'll get to that eventually. But, you know, we're also going to have some lighthearted things to talk about, like, I don't know, baseball here in St. Louis. As a kid, talking about me, growing up in St. Louis in the 60s and 70s and falling in love with baseball, and how can you not, as a local St. Louisan, become such a Cardinals fan? It's really, it, it is kind of in our DNA, right? Even for people who are would not consider themselves big sports fans or even big baseball fans in particular, you know if you're from St. Louis and you've grown up here, that's just part of our culture it's embedded here and a lot of folks who move here later love the whole atmosphere of the cardinals organization so indeed all is right with the world and how many of you can also tell the story about being a kid growing up in st louis and you're supposed to be in bed and you had that little transistor radio 
that you hid underneath your bed sheets and you listen quietly and you tuned it into Camo X right here, 1120 AM, and you heard Jack Buck and the others who have come along uh, uh, over the years, right? Um, and by the way, Jack Buck and Mike Shannon, now that Mike Shannon is no longer on the air, do you know that that interrupts about 62 years of having either Shannon or Buck on the radio at KMOX doing Cardinals games? 1960. Every year since 1960, you had Jack Buck or Mike Shannon, and for much of that time, you had both. And now that Mike has retired, 62 years. I mean, amazing. Like I said, I, I grew up listening to that. And how many of you also have wonderful memories of, of going downtown to Bush Stadium or even Old Sportsman's Park with your family? For me, it was more with, with my dad and the great memories that, that we had, my dad and I, going down to the Old Bush Stadium. I'm... I was born in 1962, so unfortunately, I never got a chance to see Stan the Man play. I was I was one when he retired, and even though I was alive for a few years, I never got a chance to go to uh, Sportsman's Park. I, I was never there. You know, the uh, Old Bush Stadium opened, what was it, about a month or two into the 1966 baseball season. It wasn't quite ready on opening day. I believe it was maybe in May of 66. It finally opened up. And those were my first memories. But I grew up in North County, up in Florissant near Coke Park. And so my dad and I, a lot of times, we would drive to the old Florissant Meadow Shopping Center. And there was a bus that would take people. You'd gather there and you'd take this bus downtown. I still remember that, man. Uh, but there were times we also drove down there and pleasurable memories of listening to At Your Service, Sports Open Line. And taking calls, and it was Bob Bragg and Bob Burns. And as a kid, I just was mesmerized by these guys. I loved Bob Burns' voice. He kind of had that deep, but to me it was kind of a silky, deep voice. Of course, he wrote for the Globe, and Bob Bragg wrote for the Post. And Bragg was like this walking encyclopedia of sports information, particularly with the Cardinals, because he had been covering them really since uh, – uh, the Gas House Gang days of the 1930s. And um, just some great memories of listening to those guys. And to think that as I got older in life, that I would be on the air at KMOX. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm blessed beyond measure um, in, that, in that regard. And where did you all have a favorite place to sit back in those days? In, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, however young or old you may be. For us, we always sat in the left field bleachers for two reasons. Number one, my dad knew how to stretch a nickel. Let's just put it that way. All right. There was a different era. Uh, and he was a teacher and my mom worked uh, the odd jobs off and end. So it's not like we were starving or anything, but we certainly didn't have a ton of money. And so to save a little bit of money, I think that the tickets were like $2, if I remember right, in the bleachers, general admission at the Old Bush Stadium. And the second reason is because my idol, because I was a baseball player, was Lou Brock. And obviously, if you are 
idolizing Sweet Lou. You want to be close to the guy. And what's the closest place? You go out to where he positions himself in left field. And man, I still remember this number 20. He seemed larger than life when he would walk out to his position in left field. And I would just stare at the guy and I would watch him. When I played baseball at the old Florissant uh, area Corey League up there at Wheat Hop Fields, um, I'm a lefty. I was the leadoff hitter for our team. So you, you, you see some some similarities there, why I might like Lou a little bit. Uh, he was he, he turned out that I think he was slightly better than me. I didn't quite make it to the big leagues. I was also a pitcher, and um, I don't remember Steve Carlton too much with the Cardinals. Again, I, I was young, but my favorite pitcher, I idolized actually a right-hander. And how could you not idolize a guy like number 45, Bob Gibson? So those were my two guys. Those were my two favorite players and it was such a treat that later in life I got to meet with them I played golf with Lou um, when I got into some television work at Channel 4 back in the late 80s and early 90s I not only interviewed Lou but I got to interview Bob Gibson of course I switched career T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And went into financial services in, in the early 90s, so I've been doing this for close to 30 years. But for that brief stint, where I got to do some sports reporting for Channel 4 as a young man in my 20s to walk in and into the locker room back in the days of Ozzy and Willie and Vince. And I started right as Whitey was kind of winding down and covered Joe Torrey's days back then. So have, have I made my point? I, I, I'm kind of a fan of St. Louis Cardinals baseball. So when a day like this occurs, all the worries and all the troubles, just, just temporarily, at least for a little bit, just float away. And what a great way to start it, right? Nine to nothing victory. Folks, let me tell you something. Even if you're a casual fan, enjoy this season. When you realize that we have Albert Pujols back, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, those three guys who were together 18 years ago, all the Cardinals, and here they are. They they went to World Series together. They won a couple together. And here we are in 2022, and the band is back. I Who knows? Do they all retire together at the end of this year? Do one or more of them continue on after this year? Nobody knows that for sure. I guess it depends on how they perform this year and how the team does, what they feel they can accomplish or help the team after this year. But because we don't know, enjoy it, man. Just enjoy watching those three in particular. And then also the young bucks coming up. Tyler O'Neill continues it today, man. Uh, I think he's 
going to continue to put up all-star like numbers. One more quick thing. I know we're a little tight on time. I got to get to the first break, but my, my favorite memory as I go back to the, again, the, the younger days, April 16th, 1978, you talk about being in the right place at the right time. There were only about 11,000 people that day. The Cardinals were not a very good team in the late seventies. Many of you will remember that they had some good players. They just weren't a very good team. So they weren't even getting anyone to come out to the games hardly at all in the, in the late 70s. And there were only about 11,000 people at that particular game. It was a Sunday afternoon. I'll never forget it. It was dreary. It was drizzly. It was overcast. I went back and for, for this show. I did some research. It was 45 degrees that day. I went with my younger brother and a friend. My dad dropped us off, actually, and then went on and did some other things. Big mistake because Bob Force threw a no-hitter that day. So how many people can claim that they were eyewitness to a no-hitter? And here I was just before my 16th birthday. Again, the memories that I have, not only as a fan from a kid to an adult, and then actually getting for a, a few brief years in the late 80s and early 90s, getting to cover the team makes this guy, David William Simon, St. Louis native, um, a very blessed individual, no question about it. All right, folks, I'll take a break. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit. I, this, just having fun with talking about the Cardinals, but I, there's some serious stuff we want to get to um, tonight, too. Uh, social issues. I don't like to delve into politics. There's enough of that. If you really want politics, you know what channels to go to, both on TV and on the radio, syndicated shows and all that. You don't need to come and hear me bloviate and take one side and yell and scream about it. But in today's world, there's so many things that are intertwined with politics. It is ultimately impossible to avoid it completely. Something happened this week that takes the modern day cultural phenomenon of social media, a cult of personality individual and politics all wrapped up into one. I want to address that. We're going to come back with more at your service. My name is Dave Simons. Please don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Dave Simons with you on at your service. It's 822 in St. Louis on this opening day night. I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? So I think everybody knows who Elon Musk is, right? Head honcho of Tesla. And I think pretty much everybody knows the social media app known as Twitter, co-founded by one of our very own here in St. Louis, Jack Dorsey. And many of you probably know how those two came together this week in a very big way. Elon Musk disclosing on Monday morning that he had purchased 9.2% of the company. All the outstanding shares, he now owned more than 9%. The stock jumps up like 27%. Wow, what's Elon doing? Seems like everything he touches turns to gold. He's just, he's a genius. This is important to understand how he did this. He filed what's known as a 13G, G is in George, 13G form. That's through the Securities and Exchange Commission. And when you do that, you are suggesting that your investment is passive, which means, hey, I'm just, I'm just buying the shares. I'm not trying to shake up the company. I don't, I don't need to do anything. I'm not talking to their board of directors. I'm not trying to exact change in the company. I just think it's an undervalued stock, and I just want to own a bunch of it at these prices. That's what you do if, 
you, you file a 13G form. Well, the very next day on Tuesday, Musk changed. He filed a form 13D as in David form. That's used by activist investors. And when you file a 13D form, that requires more disclosure. And now the real story came out. Elon Musk didn't just buy a bunch of shares this past Monday. It was revealed that on January 31st, he bought 620,000 shares and continued to buy every day in February, every day in March, and again on April 1st, hundreds of thousands and even millions of shares every business day. His smallest purchase was 371,000 shares. That was on February 15th. The week before, on February 7th, was his largest purchase for one day. He bought 4.8 million shares. I mean, could you imagine having that kind of jack where you can just buy hundreds of thousands and millions of shares every day of one stock? That's what Elon was doing. And that came out on Tuesday when he filed the 13D. Now we know. To the rest of the world, oh, Elon is not a passive investor. What's he up to? He's an active guy. And the board at Twitter, the light bulb went off. Okay, we got to appease this guy. So they said, Elon, if you agree not to continue to buy, like double your shares and cap your purchase, you own 9.2% of all outstanding stock now. If you agree to cap it at 15%, you can have a board seat, all right? And Elon said, sure, I'll do it. Now he's in a position to exact some change. But the question we have to ask is, why? Twitter, is the, isn't that kind of out of his lane? This guy is an entrepreneur. He's a genius on the tech side. For crying out loud, he builds rocket ships that someday are going to house people living on Mars, maybe. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at some George Jetson fantasy world here. This is actually what Elon envisions, and maybe decades from now, that kind of stuff is going to happen. That's the kind of genius we're talking about. He basically invented, as we know it, the current EV industry, electric vehicles, batteries, all of that stuff. And he's buying Twitter? Why? This is where we get into politics, folks. I take no sides. I just give you the facts, and these facts I think are important to understand because there are some cultural things going on here. First of all, we have to ask ourselves, is Elon Musk a political guy? Is he a Republican? Democrat? Something else? I don't know. We'll go to the source. Elon says himself he's half Democrat, half Republican. Those are his words. He's officially registered as an independent. These are also his words. I'm socially liberal and fiscally conservative. Actually, I think that describes a lot of people in the U.S. I I really do. So there's still some politics in here. So here's what I want to do. There are two examples that Musk himself cites as reasons why he felt he needed to change something like Twitter, because he felt Twitter was silencing very important voices and only one side. Elon is one of the few people in this world who can actually make a change, 
of how we communicate with one another and the vehicles that we use like Twitter. So I'm going to cite those two examples without me personally getting into politics. We'll just use the data and the news that's already out there. But these are important trend lines and a phenomena that's important to understand in today's culture. We'll do that when we return with more at your service. My name is Dave Simons. Please stay with us. All right, taking the long way home right here on Camo X. Welcome, everybody. This is At Your Service. My name is Dave Simons filling in on this Thursday, April 7th this evening. It is 834 in St. Louis. All right, does this get you going when somebody mentions this? Hunter Biden's laptop. Ooh, those are fighting words among a lot of you. Hunter Biden's laptop. So those on the left will say, come on, man, this is just a witch hunt by those on the right. Yeah, there's a lot of messiness that's family-oriented, and Hunter is kind of a messed-up guy, but this is just getting into really dirty, salacious family issues that are private. Uh, We've seen the texts and the emails between Dad, who was then not in politics, of course, now as the president, as we all know, and and a very troubled son. And anything else is just Russian disinformation, which, by the way, when this all came out a couple of years ago, the laptop was exposed with all this data that was owned by Hunter Biden. That's what a lot of these folks said at CNN and New York Times and others. There's no there there. In fact, it it could be fake. This could all be planted by Russia. This all started when Hunter Biden took his laptop into a computer repair store and left it and never came back for it. Now, if you want to do any more research, you can. I'm not going to go into a a lot of the details that are involved, but somebody looked into the contents, found out that it was a trove full of nuggets that could be exposed and used against the Bidens. It finally got into a Republican operative's hands and made its way to the New York Post, which, of course, is the conservative side of um, of the newspaper business in New York City with, of course, New York Times being on the left. So the New York Post prints a lot of this very salacious stuff a couple of years ago, right on the eve of the 2020 election. And they posted a link to it on Twitter. See where we're, we're, get, we're circling back to what I had just been talking about, Elon Musk. Why would he take an active role now? Apparently it will be an active role in Twitter. It starts with something like this. So Twitter looks at what the New York Post has done, again, a right-leaning newspaper, and decides there is no there there. There's no backing of this. There's no way to prove what the New York Post is writing is actually true. What if this is all fake, the stuff they found on supposedly Hunter Biden's laptop? What if the Russians really put it there? We are not only deleting this post, but we are temporarily suspending the New York Post from putting any more information about this on there. Wow. Now, those on the right will look at this and say, Oh my gosh, if this was Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump, and they found a laptop of all of this salacious stuff going back and forth between them and their father, Donald Trump, and there were supposedly some connections 
with Chinese business executives and politicians in Russia and executives in Ukraine. Oh my gosh, this would be leading the news every night on CNN because all of this came out with the New York Post on the eve of the election of 2020. And I, that is true. If you, if you are a, a, a reasonable person, and willing to use critical thinking, you know that that's absolutely 100% true. You don't need to take political sides to just know that if this was something with the Trump family, CNN, New York Times, and all that would have run with it. That is absolutely 100% true. But this was on the eve of a very important election, maybe some would argue the most important presidential election of our current lifetime, certainly of modern times. And we're not going to give this story that the New York Post is putting on Twitter any credence. It could possibly impact the election. We're going to ignore it. Well, fast forward to today, and now there's a lot of mea culpas out there. The New York Times has somewhat reluctantly agreed, oh, yeah, there's some stuff that needs to be looked in here. There's some stuff with some Chinese business executives that doesn't look good. Even MSNBC, I saw an article just today on their website talking about, yeah, this needs to be looked at. There's some stuff here. So we need to get a congressional committee to find out exactly what Hunter Biden was doing with these Chinese business executives. And did his father, who at the time was not in politics, because obviously this is Donald Trump's time, but we need to know what's going on here because now he's the president. So Elon Musk looks at that and said, this is wrong. I don't care what side you're on. I, I don't care if you love that story and want to take the Bidens down um, or it, it, if, if you hate the story because it's going to harm Biden. Elon Musk says it doesn't matter. This is information that should not have been silenced. There's number one. Number two, I said there's another story that Elon Musk looks at and says this is not right. I don't care if you're left or right. If you are going to post, allow certain things to be posted on a social media app like Twitter, which basically has cornered that side of the social media market, you've got to open it up to everybody or be restrictive of everybody. But you can't have it one side and not the other. The other one involves, maybe many of you have not heard of the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee, okay, is a, it's a right-wing parody site. It's a comedic site. It's kind of like National Lampoon. That's what it is. On the conservative side, basically you take a Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel, who of course are left-leaning comedians on television, of course, but this is more of a website that's right-leaning called the Babylon Bee. They just awarded a Biden administration official the title of Man of the Year. The Babylon Bee did. A satirical site. It's, it's based on fake stuff, but there's always a kernel of truth to things. To They try to make it funny. Well, why would that even be controversial? Why is that funny? For naming a Biden administration official man of the year. Well, it's because USA Today, which of course leans left, named the same person one of its women of the year. Uh-oh, we're getting a little messy here. What's going on? Well. USA Today named Rachel Levine, obviously a female name, woman of the year. She's transgender. 
And the Babylon Bee decided to have a little fun with it. And, and by the way, Rachel Levine is an assistant secretary for health in, inside the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services under the uh, Biden administration. So the Babylon Bee, because it's satirical, like National Lampoon, has fun with it and says, um, Rachel Levine serves proudly as the first man in that position to dress like a Western cultural stereotype of a woman. He is also an admiral in the U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corp. What a boss. He often wears a dress, which some people think is weird, but he doesn't care one bit. Come on, writes the article. Men in India wear dress-type garments, don't they? Now, again, I'm not personally taking sides or getting in the middle of this. I'm just reporting here on the air what's being said, what's being written, and where the controversy is. And when some of you hear that, you are going to be very upset and disgusted by it and say, that is not right at all. That's not even funny. They're making fun of a transgendered woman. And haven't we moved beyond that? That's what many of you will be saying when you hear that. Fine. Some of you on the right will be saying, are you kidding me? It's a satirical comedic site. And I'm tired of comics being shut down, especially those who might be telling jokes against the woke culture and being shouted down at university campuses. And that's why a lot of comedians, like even the great Jerry Seinfeld, won't even do comedy tours at college campuses anymore. That's what some of you are saying. So we got both sides yelling here. I get back to Elon Musk and he says, enough of this. Because the Babylon Bee was suspended on Twitter. And the right will say, so when's the last time Jimmy Kimmel was suspended for making fun and calling people names of those on the right? When has Stephen Colbert ever been suspended and his account shut down? Why does it only happen to the New York Post when it posts stuff that we now know is true about Hunter Biden and his laptop two years ago? Why is the Babylon Bee, which is not even a real legitimate news source, everybody knows it, it's the right version of the National Lampoon. Why are they suspended by making fun of people on the left? I personally, don't send me any nasty emails. I'm asking questions. I'm not personally getting involved in this. I'm trying to paint both sides of this. I'm giving you the reason of what I started about here. Why would Elon Musk, this tech genius, Get involved in social media and buy nine over 9% of the company. Folks, mark my words, you're going to see some changes. And it won't just be at Twitter. It's going to be Facebook. It's going to be Google. It's going to be a lot of these big tech giants. First of all, we've seen the pressure coming from Congress. They want to exact change. And that's one of the few things that Republicans and Democrats do agree on in Washington, D.C. They both have problems with big tech for different reasons. And now someone who has exacted change and a lot of America loves like Elon Musk because he's got the money to do it and he's got the devil may care attitude. And I think you are going to see some changes within the social media industry here in the U.S. We'll be right back. All right, my friends, it's 10 minutes before 9 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. I've got plenty to talk about in the second hour. We've got a little sports stuff. I'm going to tell you about a special place that I was at this week and that I think a lot of you have also visited. We're going to talk a little Warren Buffett, who all of a sudden 
this guy who is an investing icon is all of a sudden taking some shots from some people. And I, I, I'm going to call out the people who have been doing that. Um, and then we'll look at uh, some of the stuff that's going on with gas prices. But before that, just to kind of end on a lighthearted note here in the first hour. So I'm a passionate sports guy. I think I've kind of made that clear. I, I, I love my teams. I support them, obviously, as much as I can. But I... But I'm not a hater on the other side. I've, I've never found the ability to just absolutely despise the other teams that we're supposed to hate. So if you're a Cardinals fan like I am, you're just, oh, man, you're supposed to hate the Cubs. And I don't. I really i am more agnostic. I don't care, honestly. And I'll tell you something, when they won in 2016, I was happy for the city. I I know a lot of you Cardinal fans right now are about to throw up right now because I'm saying that. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm a Mizzou guy. I'm supposed to hate KU. what, What the Jayhawks did winning the national championship this past Monday night is supposed to just absolutely make me vomit, right? I know a lot of Mizzou fans wouldn't even watch the game. I don't feel that way. Good for them. I have to like fake it to, hey, I, 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 that's just my personality, I guess. There's a reason I'm telling you that. It would, <laughs> now I'm telling like the rest of the world here this, and I was about to say, I, I didn't tell my Mizzou friends this. Well, guess what? They're going to know. In the ESPN bracket that you can do your March Madness bracket, I just want to make sure that all the compliance people know that this is not an office pool. No money's changing hands. This is online ESPN, tens of millions of entries. And I finished in the 93rd percentile this year, which means only 7% of all the millions of people um, had a better bracket than me. Why? Because I picked KU to win it. <gasps> you turncoat. You're a Mizzou guy. That's it. Take away your honorary black and gold sweater. We're stripping you from the alumni books in the future, the directors. You are no longer part. Okay, whatever. I'm not saying I'm a fan of them, but when it comes to actually trying to win something, my team, Mizzou, is not, of course, even in the tournament. So there you go. And I looked at this. When you do these brackets, too many people overthink it. The true basketball uh, aficionados look at it. They do all this research. They don't, don't do any better than the guy that only votes for teams that have bird names. And there are a lot of people who do that. I know somebody who will, will pick all the Catholic schools. And actually, there have been years that he's done really well. Look at St. Peter's this year. We've seen Butler, Villanova. I mean, there, there's so many of those schools that do well. Of course, we've got SLU in our own backyard here. But I looked at this and said, of all the number one seeds, I think KU has the easiest route to the Final Four. I looked at the second, third, and fourth seeds in all four brackets, and I thought that they were not as good as the second, third, and fourth seeds in the other three brackets. And that's all I looked. I didn't do any more research than that. So I get to the Final Four, and sure enough, I only had other one other number one seed there, and it was Arizona. Of course, they didn't make it. But I had the one that counted, and I had in my bracket, I think I might have actually had KU beating Arizona. I forget how that works. Maybe I had them beating somebody else. Um, so there, there you go. Now, I will say this. Let me back up and amend one thing. There was one team 
that I absolutely could not stand. And I guess I know hate is a strong word. I kind of felt it. I'm just being honest. And that was the 1980s and 1990s Chicago Blackhawks. Couldn't stand Mike Keenan. Didn't like the fact that he even became the Blues head coach. I wanted the Blues to win, and I just wish it could have been with a different coach. That was really hard for me. And the guy that I couldn't stand the most, Chris Chelios. I couldn't stand that guy. He was just that pest. He was running guys in the boards. He was putting his glove in everyone's faces. But let me tell you something. If the Blues had made a trade for Chris Chelios or signed him as a free agent, he might have been my favorite player. Honestly, he's one of those types of guys. Hate that guy. He's on your team now. Love that guy. That's how I would have felt about Chris Chelios. But, man, those days, those Blues-Blackhawk rivalries back in the old Smythe Division days, we had Brian Sutter, our coach, and Mike Keenan, their coach. And, um, man, those were terrific rivalries at the old arena. Of course, Checkerdome before that, back before those guys I'm talking about. But that's really – I think that's the only team that I've really, really disliked. Um, And so that's why I didn't really care. I wanted to win and do the best job I could in the ESPN pool. And I'm sorry to all my fellow Mizzou people who are are perhaps going to shun me because I went to the dark side and I actually picked the Jayhawks to win. But who was right? I'm just saying. Now let's get our team Mizzou back in the bracket, can we? Let's get Travis Ford and the Billikens going and into the tournament as well, shall we? All right, folks, that's it for the first hour. Come back, please, for the second hour. Lots of things to talk about, including Warren Buffett, the Masters, all that good stuff. Stay with us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 